and turn to Acts chapter number 1. When was the last time any of you had a puppy? I'm telling you how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling like, where is he? Because it's like a toddler. Because with, with, with toddlers, it's like when there's, when there's quiet, there's trouble. There's something that's going on. And so uh, I'm even right now, even as I'm getting ready to preach, I'm, I'm, I don't know where he is. I know where he is, but I'm like, where is he? And then I have to, oh, yeah, he's, he's fine. He's doing okay. But it's, uh, it's, it's just an interesting, uh, it's an interesting deal. That was for free. We're going to get down to the, to the serious part of it right now. Would you stand as we get to Acts chapter 1? I want to read verses 1 to 8. We're going to cover a number of passages, but this is our jumping off point. And what a jumping off point this is. And if you're not familiar with this passage, as you get familiar with it as we go along, you'll see how important it is to us as a body of believers. So Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, going to verse number 8. It says this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands to go through the commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. He had presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy and perfect word. You may be seated. So, pardon me, let me get my act together here real quick. So, God has given us a heart for the nations. I, at least I hope he has because that's his heart. That's his heartbeat is to reach the nations. It's one of the things that I like uh, about the World Cup. I've, I'm finding out that when it comes to soccer, people have some very, very strong opinions on that matter. But what I like about the World Cup is that it, it, it brings to mind once again what's going on in the world because each of those nations have something politically and socially that's going on. And it brings to mind that, boy, the world is a whole lot bigger than my own house or my own city or my own state or even my own country. There is a lot of other things that are going on that, that, where there is some great need. And so what we try to do when it comes to this time of year is to bring, bring it to mind for you what is going on in the world. Especially during this time when we're so focused on, I've got to get this party ready, I've got to get these gifts bought, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, and all of a sudden the 25th is upon us and it's just shot right by us. We need to slow down and to make sure that we're realizing there's other things that are going on in the world besides just what we have here. So when you walked in, you saw a sign, hopefully, that $12,000 is our goal for international missions. As you go up the hallway, uh, right on the left, there's a, there's a map, a, a map of the world that has some flags that are stuck in it about where certain missionaries that we are praying for and helping 
by praying, um, you, you see where they are serving. And God is starting to spread that out even more to where most of the continents are being, uh, are being covered. And you see some of the information at the bottom where you can pick up and you can get on their mailing list and learn to pray for them. We hope you've noticed that. Uh, we have a missions house. You may not have known that. Some of you that are new here. We have a missions house for international missionaries that come to get a respite, get a little bit of a furlough, get a bit of a, of a Sabbath break from the work that they are doing. And I'm very thankful for everybody that has chipped in and gotten together to be able to help make that a great place for missionaries to be able to come and allow us to be able to extend some hospitality to them. So we can talk about the board and we can talk about the, the map and we can talk about the missions house and we can actually look at that and say, that's nice. That's good. But what it's trying to do, I believe, is, again, there has to be a rhythm that we have that goes along with the rhythm of the heartbeat of God to the nations, for the nations. And so when we're talking about, even in the hymn that, we, that we're quoting from, joyful all ye nations rise. We sang that a little bit earlier, but the nations are part of the heartbeat of God. Joyful, and we want to see them rise in worship and adoration to all that Jesus has done. The, the theme for this week of prayer is reaching the nations together. Together, all of us being a part of it. And so when we're reading these passages, we have to make sure that we, we remember some of the things that Nicey Murphy told us is that we have to be ones who are praying praying for the nations, giving to the nations, but also, as God calls, going to the nations. And maybe God is calling some of you to do that. Well, I'm, I'm too old to do that. Well, you can pray and give. But you may not be too old for that. There are age requirements with the IMB, depending on where you go. God may be calling you to go to the nations. You may have seen that video, and you may have had something fill up in your heart like the, like at the end of the Grinch that stole Christmas where your heart was just you know two three times bigger than it was because God may be calling you to go and to reach the nations for Jesus don't close the door to that don't close off your mind to that what we're going to look at is four different ways and four different things when we talk about the great commission it's alluded to here we're going to get to it in just a moment but four different things about the Great Commission that helps us to make sure that we're keeping the nations before us and we're reaching them together. Well, the first one is about this. First, let's look at the, the source of the commission. It's not going to be on the screen, so I'm just going to trust you to write it down, or you can just listen. Either way. But the source of the Great Commission, and we're going to look at two passages, one here, but the other is in Matthew uh, chapter 28, verse 18. And this is where Jesus says, all authority. How much authority? All right. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to who? He says to me. And that's why when he says go and make disciples, he's not just a great prophet. He's not just a great teacher. He's not just a great guy. He's not just an inspirational leader. He hasn't been a guy that's been given a TED talk for three years. He has been somebody that has all authority on heaven and earth. The risen Savior has all authority on heaven and earth to say, go and make disciples. And what do we say? Our answer should be, yes, sir. But all authority has been given to him on heaven and on earth. But when you look at the passage we just read, just read. In verse 3 of Acts chapter 1, it talks about here, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering, his crucifixion, by many proofs. 
Because we, we know that there were disciples that actually saw him alive but didn't believe that he was there. In verse 16 of Matthew 28, it says that there were many that were worshiping him, but some, what's the word? Doubted. They saw the risen Christ before them and they said, no, I can't be. That's how grotesque and gruesome the crucifixion was. They thought nobody could get out of that. Well, God could. And he did. And we are the beneficiaries of that. But it says here, suffering many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So he's spending all of his time showing them and teaching them. And the fruit of that is the New Testament, showing them what the, the kingdom of God was all about. But then, he go, then it goes on down into verse 8. Now, when, when we normally quote this verse, we usually just quote the back half of it. You know, you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Why do we forget about that first part? What is it? Why are we so afraid of the Holy Spirit? Why do we, why? But Because that's what he's saying here. But you will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, power. Ephesians 1 talks about it being a resurrection power. There is this power that has come, up, come upon them. A couple of verses ago, the disciples started asking him, Lord, will it be at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because the disciples did not see any power in themselves. They saw all the power in Jesus. And what did they think was going to happen? Well, Jesus is going to restore his kingdom. We're going to sit in these sweet seats that are right beside him. And we're going to just be the beneficiaries. We're going to be the, have the spoils of war. Let's go. And Jesus is saying, it's not for you to know times and places and seasons. Well, we, I, I thank you for that. Okay, so there's things that we don't have to know. But there are things that we must know. And the things that we must know is this. God is going to give us his power to do his work. We're going to be the ones that have the responsibility of going and being witnesses. But we're not doing it in our own power, thankfully. We're going to be doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are going to be spirit-empowered witnesses. Because if you leave off the first half of that verse, what's it going to be? You're going to be my witnesses. Well, I better get an education, and I better take these discipleship classes, and I better figure it out, and I better have my plan, and I better have my template, and I better know the four spiritual laws or five steps to peace with God or, or six steps to obedient pets. I don't know. I'm thinking about that a lot. But you're, you, you do all of this and you're, you're coming at it like I've got to figure it out and I've got to do it in my own power. And he says, no, 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 no. You will receive power, Holy Spirit power, and you'll be my witnesses in that, in that spirit empowerment. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel. What I hope is, is that that takes the pressure off. Because there's a lot of us that may think, I, I can't do it. And you know what? You write. You may say all the right stuff. Same with preaching. You may say all the right stuff. But if the Spirit isn't empowering and anointing, then it's just words. We don't want just words. We want the word empowered by the spirit to change and transform hearts. That's what this is. And it's not just for our little group. It's for the nations. The nations. This is not a tribal God that we serve. We are going 
to the nations. Remember what was said of the prophet Zechariah. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What would happen if we began fully relying on the Holy Spirit? I think our sleepy hearts would be wakened up. I think we'd be ready to go. But so that's, that's the source of the commission. Well, now let's look at the nature of the commission. Lottie Moon once wrote that should we not press it home upon our consciences that the sole object of our conversion was not the salvation of our own souls, but that we might become co-workers with the Lord and master in the conversion of the world? It's not a rhetorical question. That's, that's, that's the goal. That's why Christ saved us. So we as Southern Baptists, at least in theory, we have a strong desire to, to be about the Bible and to be about missions. Now, that, that's, again, I say it in theory. The, the question is, are we actually rolling and, and doing that? When we start talking about disciples, because that's what he's telling us to do, the nature of the, the, the commission is to go and make disciples. That's it. Not just to have church. Not just to have the programs that mean a lot to us, but to go and make disciples. That's it. His last words are our first priority. And so when we look at this, that's one of the things that our Next Steps team has been talking about is trying to figure out, okay, from the scriptures, what is a disciple? What is a disciple? A disciple, when you look at it, is a learner. A learner that is sitting at the feet of their master, of their teacher. And so that's what we are to do. We are to, maybe not literally, but in, in heart and mind and soul and strength, we're to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's why when I tell you, I, I ask you to be in the word every day, that's another way to say, this is us sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he has to say. It's not just something to get through and make yourself feel better because you were doing that spiritual discipline. It's to sit at the feet of Jesus. And to hear what he has to say. So what is a disciple? And a disciple is a learner who's sitting at the feet of Jesus. R.C. Sproul defined a disciple as one who directs his mind towards specific knowledge and conduct. Did you notice he didn't just say knowledge? Conduct. It's how we act. So we might say that a disciple is a learner or a pupil. Someone in our, in our group said a disciple is one who follows Christ so Christ is formed in him or her. But we all realize that it's not a passive deal, that it is an intentional daily journey as opposed to a destination. Daniel M. of Lifeway, at least he used to be at Lifeway, he's not there anymore. He said that a church that focuses on destination, discipleship destination, is one that measures the maturity of disciples based on how much they have achieved, what they know, their observable behaviors, and whether or not they've completed certain classes. And if you ever have the pins, when you have, you know, you, 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 have, you were faithful in attendance in Sunday school and you got a pin, you completed a class, you got a certificate, you did this and you got that. It's something tangible. See, I'm a disciple. I got a piece of paper to prove it. You see what's wrong with that? I've known a lot of people that have gotten degrees from seminary and they're mean as snakes. It's about what God is doing here. Here, here in your mind and in your heart, not simply just completing a bunch of classes. So he goes on. He says, by contrast, Daniel M. says this, a church that focuses on direction 
is one that sees maturity as an ongoing process without an endpoint in eternity. Maturity is first measured by the direction the disciple is moving toward Christ or away from Christ and then how far along they are in that journey. In other words, do we ever stop this side of glory in our maturity and our holiness? That's, a, that's the correct answer. We do not do that. So we have to continue to, to press on, to press on, to press on. That's why it's 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will also be able to teach others also. We have been passed a baton that we're supposed to pass on to somebody else. And the person that passed the baton on to us had someone pass it on to them and to them and to them all the way back to the time of Jesus. Do you see? That's what we have to understand is that we are continually receiving that baton. That is the nature of the commission. How are we doing on that? I keep saying this. I tend to repeat myself. And after 11 years, you're going to hear me repeat myself a lot. But our faith, while it is, there is an aspect that's personal, it's not private. Our faith is intended to be shared. We were saved to be sent. Not saved just to say, well, I'm glad I'm saved. Can't wait for heaven. Well, we want to bring as many people along as we possibly can. Let's look at the scope of the commission. You will be my witnesses, right? But where? Well, it says in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Just think about like throwing that big rock in the middle of that still pond. And you throw that big rock and you have these concentric circles that start going out. That's what's going on. You start reaching people where you are here and you move out. Dave Howarth, who's one of our church planning catalysts here in the city, actually he's got more responsibilities. He's now, it's like all of the Northwest and even into Canada. I'm like, man, Dave, we gotta, we gotta clone you, brother. How, how are you doing all of this? What he told us is, is that, while, now this is international missions emphasis. I got this, but he said, sometimes we're more comfortable talking about missions the further away we are. Or it is. I'm going to say that again so it's all one big smooth sentence. We are more comfortable with mission the further away the mission is. When we start talking about reaching our neighbors, them? That was an old VeggieTales video. I don't know if you remember VeggieTales. God wants me to love them? Yeah. Because they're part of the nations. They're part of your nation. They're part of one of the nations of the, of the earth. And so we are called... And, and the nation's getting bigger, or the, the world is getting bigger. November 15th, we hit 8 billion, with a B, people. Think about how fast the world is going. In 1900, the world population was 1.6 billion. 1927, it hit 2 billion. 1960, it hit 3 billion. The year of my birth, 1971, it was 3.77 billion, which means in 1974, 4 billion. And in 48 years, the world population has doubled. And 150,000 people every day on this planet die. That's a lot of humanity. And most of that humanity, because they have not been reached for Jesus, have slid into an eternal hell with no more hope. A word here. Every so often I hear some people say, well, I think God gives you another chance after you die. I don't know what Bible you're reading because that's not in my Bible. And I'd like to think I know my Bible fairly well. 
but it is destined for man to die but once. And it says, after that, not another opportunity, but after that to face the judgment. And so 150,000 people on this earth are slipping into eternity. Most of them are slipping into an eternity without Christ forever. Not for the weekend, not for a week, not for a month, forever. And what do we do? And so we have to make sure that we're realizing the, the, the scope of it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, Mark 16, 15. Luke 24, 47, as Jesus shows himself after his resurrection to the disciples, he says, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to where? To all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Yes, the very people that were trying to kill Jesus did kill Jesus. They didn't win, but they killed Jesus. Those are the ones that they're supposed to be reaching. And you know that they were having just as hard a time thinking about that then as we are now. I'm supposed to reach my neighbor, the one that's right across the street from me, that's right beside me, where we're arguing over fence location and, 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 and you know, dogs barking and all, people in and out all times of night. I'm supposed to be talking to, yes. God's put us there for that reason, to be able to talk to them. And I think... I think sometimes we've we, we've gotten the wrong idea that when we come to Christ, that we come to church and we do our thing and then we get on with our lives. But our lives are constantly being filled in and out with people that don't know Jesus. So we need, and that's one of the things the Next Steps team is going to try to do is to give tools to be able to help you with your friends, with your relatives, your coworkers, your neighbors, strangers you may come across, to be able just to plant a seed. It's not your job to save people. It is our job to plant seeds and to water. God, God gives the growth. That right there is in Scripture. So when we see Jerusalem, Judea, the region that they live in, Samaria, even further away from the culture they lived in. And keep in mind, as they grew up Jewish, they, they made a covenant never to set foot on Samaritan soil. Now he's saying, you're going to go into Samaritan soil and win them for me? You mean they're going to be able to be a part of the covenant? They haven't been so far. Well, now they can. Because that's what Paul says in Ephesians 2. Those who are far away and those who are near will be able to be one in Christ. It's an amazing thing that he's done to save us all from where we are, and bring us to where we need to be. So your giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering has helped. There's 3,650 missionaries supported. There's 93 new people groups and places engaged. There's 107,701 baptisms that took place. 592,408 people heard the gospel. Now, when you consider that up against 8 billion people, Okay, that's a lot of humanity, but we got work to do. 22,744 new churches planted, 176,795 new believers brought into the kingdom. So the desire is by 2025 is to send 500 additional missionaries, and our offering is able to help accommodate that. We're, we're different from other missions sending agencies as far as the IMB is concerned is because our gifts and because it's so 
plentiful is that these missionaries are able to go out full time. There's others that have to raise their own support. We've known people very close to us who have had to raise their own support. You talk about a challenge. The, the, the positive side of raising your own support is you get to have to actually sit across the table and meet the supporters face to face. But, you know, what happens if the supporters get bored or they have a financial issue on their end, they're not able to help them? Well, then those missionaries tend to be stuck. Us giving into this pot of the, of the cooperative program week to week to week and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions helps us to be able to fund them so they're not having to worry about all of this fundraising, partner development. It's partner development, not fundraising. That sounds a little secular. Partner development, but it's the same thing. They're not having to worry about all of that. They're focused on the mission. They're focused on where they're at. They're focused on getting the culture. They're focused on getting the gospel out. Josh and Jennifer Armstrong are, are IMB missionaries to Spain. And so he's able to spend his time learning conversational Spanish and, and taking classes there. Whereas if he was having to spend his time doing a lot of partner development and fundraising, that would take time away from him being able to learn the language to be able to reach the pe- people in Valencia and East Spain. You see? So we get to be a part of that. Don't, don't let that slide by. We get to be a part of helping this scope be reached. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Our, our little church is able to be and have a part in seeing someone go to, come to Christ because we've been able to help people not have to think about that part. It's wonderful. But what's the goal of the commission? John Piper wrote a book um, a number of years ago entitled, Let the Nations Be Glad. And that's taken from Psalm 67, Let the Nations Be Glad and Sing for Joy, Psalm 67. So God has always been thinking about the nations and wanting to reach the nations and using us to do so. But near the beginning of the book, he makes the statement, worship is the goal and fuel of missions. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Now, the only thing, the worship of God doesn't. I mean, there is worship going on. It just may not be directed to the right person, the right object. There is worship that is going on. He goes on in another place to say, missions is a way of saying the joy of knowing Christ is not a private or tribal or national or ethnic privilege. It is for all. And that's why we go. Because we have tasted the joy of worshiping Jesus and we want all of the families of the earth included. Have you tasted the joy and the worship of Jesus? Have you, have, has that gripped you? Has the worship and service of Jesus and the joy of Jesus? One of the things that I tend to write when I am writing notes is, I'm glad we get to serve Jesus together. There is, what better, what better thing is there to do than to serve Jesus together? And here we are doing this, and we want everybody in on it. We want everybody in at the marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation 19, where we're all going to have one big family reunion, and we're going to walk around saying, how'd you get here? How'd you get here? How'd you get here? What's your way? Well, I came through Jesus. Yeah, 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 but what happened? Well, I was in Africa in this tribe, and a missionary came along. I was in a church, and I came to Christ when I was 10, almost 11 years old. That's my story, last day of vacation Bible school, which we're doing this coming year, by the way. I don't care if there's two kids. We're going to have vacation Bible school this year 
because we, we want to reach the nations, and we want to reach those homes, and we want to reach those families. Are you with me? Okay, sign up in the, in the back there to make sure you get there going, because we're going to get, that's, that's the idea. It's not just to do stuff to do stuff. It's to do stuff because we get to help people worship the Jesus we're worshiping. And so, Romans 16, verses 25 to 27, very interesting passage here. Well, they're all interesting in their own way, aren't they? But this is, for our intents and purposes now, it says this, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. According to the command of the eternal God, here's the goal, to bring about the obedience of faith. Some of you are obeying because you want to keep that legacy of mom and dad alive. Some of you are obeying because that's how you were raised and you don't want to, as that old Ricky Skaggs song says, you don't want to outgrow your upbringing. Some of you are obeying because it's just the cultural thing to do. You're obeying because you don't want anybody thinking badly of you. You're obeying because you want people thinking well of you. You're obeying because, and fill in the blank. And what he's saying is, we want to reach people for the gospel so that, the, so that their hearts are changed, that they would obey out of faith that Christ has placed in them to move forward well, to move forward for his glory, to when they show up in heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what it's all about. It's the obedience of faith, the obedience that comes from faith, that distinguishes itself from work. And so that's where in 1 Corinthians 9, back half of 22 into 23, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Those of you who are enemies of the gospel, someone came along and said, I want you to share in the blessings of Jesus. And they told you about the faith. You are to take that baton and do that to somebody else. All of us can think of someone that needs Jesus. All of us can think of someone that's in our lives. Well, that's the nations. That, that's part of reaching the nations. But we also know that there's people groups on this earth that have never heard the name of Christ. And we have a responsibility that we can't shake off or shirk or ignore. Lottie Moon, again, she noted this. How many are there who imagine that just because Jesus paid it all, they need to pay nothing? Forgetting that the prime object of their salvation was that they should follow in the footsteps of Jesus in bringing back a lost world to God. Someone may have sold you a bag of goods, and that bag of goods was this. The goal of Jesus dying on the cross was for you to go to heaven. That's, that's partly. But the, also the goal of Jesus dying on the cross, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. John twenty twenty one. I didn't make that up. He saved you to send you. He didn't save you so that you could sit and wait for glory. We're not sitting on a luxury boat. It's a work barge. And he's called us to roll up our sleeves. And the people that are around us that come across us to find some way, somehow, especially those that are closest to us, find some way, somehow to say, I'm going to, show, I'm going to share with you the hope that I have. Can I have some of your time? They may say no. 
then you say, well, if you ever change your mind, you know where I am. Because something's going to come up in their lives that may make them think, well, he offered, I'm going to go talk to him. You've opened up the opportunity. So it's gospel conversations that he's called us to have. If we are followers of Jesus, it is not for our self-fulfillment. Because if we're completely filled with self, we have no room for God. We need to be emptied of ourselves. If you don't want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. Follow me. We have to die to ourselves every single day. Yeah, but I've worked so hard for my life. He worked hard for your life too. Eternal life. Rescuing you from your sin and from your brokenness. The nations, the nations need Jesus. By your praying, by your giving, and again, some of you may feel the need to go. Don't miss out on the calling that God has placed upon you. If you need to know what Jesus Christ is all about, God sent me from one part of our nation here to Colorado, and this may be the only time you ever hear me. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He died on the cross to save you from your sins. And he wants you to come and to receive him as Lord and Savior. Not just for what's going on in heaven, but to save you right now. Will you come and be a part of who he is? And if you're a follower of Jesus, you may have found yourself drifting. Hopefully the Holy Spirit, by his power, has brought you right back on track. And 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 it's such a momentous thing for you that you're like, i got to make this public. If we're ashamed of Jesus before men, he'll be ashamed of us before a father in heaven. Let's not be ashamed of him or his gospel. So Heavenly Father, use us for your glory and for the good of those that are around us. Help us, Lord, in all that we do and say to realize that your great commission applies to all of us, not just the ones who heard it right when Jesus said it, but by the Holy Spirit it was preserved in the word so that we would all look and heed and realize that we are to be spirit-empowered witnesses to go and make disciples under the authority of Jesus and that you promised that he would be with us always, even to the end of the age. Thank you, Father, for the hope that we have. And, Father, I just pray that it would so bubble up in us that we would just not be able to contain it and to be able to tell others about the hope that they can have in Jesus. Let's not leave this place, Lord, without making the public commitments that you've called us to make. It's not a private faith, Lord. We're called to make it public. Use us, Lord, for your glory and for the good of those that are around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We.